the overall awesomeness of the bird, which we'll just call victory points. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, episode 23. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we discuss a game that's equal parts midway engine builder and illustrated wildlife field guide, Wingspan. Hi there, Mamie. Hi, Josh. Glad to be back in the studio for another episode of Cardboard and Wine. Yes. Did you know that it's almost our one-year birthday? It's our birthday. Woo-woo! Yeah, our first episode launched on February 16th, 2018, and we've covered a lot of ground since then. Yeah, I would say we have. We started this as just a way for us to talk about something we love, board games, and didn't really have a lot of plans beyond that. But a year later, we're still here talking about games. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the year ahead. You know, we're looking forward to playing and talking about a lot more games, attending some more local gaming events, and getting back to Dice Tower Con. Speaking of the Dice Tower... Yeah, we have a fun announcement to make for the show. We have officially joined the Dice Tower Network. So exciting. We're really, really glad to be part of it and to add our perspective on gaming from the point of view of working parents, trying to focus on our careers and kids and each other and how gaming fits into all that. Yeah, and you know, I think it's really amazing what the Dice Tower has contributed and continues to contribute to the board gaming hobby. And I think it's an honor to be a very small part of that. Yeah, I kind of can't believe it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, should be fun. Uh, I don't think it's really going to change much about the show and what we do, but you know, if you um, heard about us through Dice Tower and you're a new listener, hi, welcome. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm Josh. I'm Mamie. <laughs> we talk about games. Yeah, and, and parenting and work and all the things. All the things. And you know, I wanted to take this moment to say a special thank you to our Patreon patrons. And we're really thankful for, for them going above and beyond to support the show. Yeah, if you would like to help support the show, you can simply go to patreon.com forward slash cardboard and wine or click the become a patron button on our website. And hey, we'll send you a button. Yeah, you click the button, we will send you a fancy cardboard and wine button. With our cute logo. Yeah. Speaking of wine, a- along with playing games, we also like to drink wine. And tonight we have something a little bit different. This is one I think you actually picked up from our wine shop here. It's a 2017 Tempranillo. Tempranillo, I think we learned on a previous episode, that means uh, early grape. Exactly. And this one is from the Emilio Moro Vineyard in Spain. And I always do a little bit of research. And this one is from a family-run vineyard that planted their first vines in 1932. That was a while ago. Yeah. And that was the year that Emilio Mora was born, actually. And the the wine that's named after him. And the current winemaker is his grandson, Jose. So it's all in the family. Yeah, that is really cool. Family-run operation. Yeah. Well, giving this a taste, um, uh, this one's dry. This one's a fairly dry red wine. Yeah, it's definitely dry. It's got some dark fruit in it for sure, but a lot of acidity. I think it's almost a little balsamic-y. I can see that. You think a little bit savory, do you feel like? Yeah, almost a little. Yeah, I wonder if we should say too, and we use the term a dry wine, what that really means. So wine that's dry just means uh, when the fermentation happens, the natural microorganisms have broken down most of the sugar. So there's not a lot of residual sugar left in the wine. So it's not very sweet at all, but but just has that very uh, 
almost dry. Yeah, no, there's not. I can't think of another <laughs> dry, way to uh, say it. Tea. Almost dries your mouth out. It does. Bit. Yeah, a little puckery kind of. Yeah, uh, but this is good. It's uh, quality Tempranillo. A little drier than I usually like. I, you I like, like a drier it. wine. I like a, a little more fruity, jammy wine. But, yeah. Which is interesting because I don't like sweet drinks. That's true. Um, you don't put sugar in your coffee? Or? I don't. Yeah. So should we talk about gaming this week? We've, we've done a little, not a lot. You've been kind of busy, but we've gotten in a couple plays. We've been playing with the kids, and they've actually been playing just the two of them quite a bit, which is really adorable. Yeah, I think we mentioned on the last year there's been a lot of love letter going on between the kids. And we started playing with them a little bit, playing love letter with them. And, and that's been a really fun game. I mean, you know, I like that one, it's such a simple deck of cards. I mean, you really just deal one card out to everyone and, you know, you can play a full game of it in about 15 or 20 minutes. So it actually is a perfect sit down and, and just play a quick game. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's quick because you win all the letters immediately. <laughs> I, am, I am pretty good at love letter. Uh, but it's fun to see our kids sort of piece together and, and grow in their logic ability. I mean, love letter is very much a game of of deduction. Well, what's really funny is our son, I've definitely seen emerge as a bluffer. Oh, yeah. He likes to pretend like, no, he has a card. He's like, no, don't take my card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost got to the point where he hasn't reached the next level where you know he's bluffing, so <laughs> you actually can piece together some information. Uh, maybe at our game night this week, we broke out a game that we have not played for quite a while. We played a four-player game of Gaia Project. Yes, Gaia Project. It was one that we uh, recently at the Who's Turn Con, we got a chance to play Terra Mystica, and it got us thinking about playing Gaia Project and how it had been a while since we'd had that one on the table. So we broke that out with our game group this week and had a lot of fun. It was intense. Yeah, I had a really, really busy uh, early morning at work the next morning. I don't know. I guess I'd thought that it would be uh, quicker and less intense. <laughs> it's a little heavier experience than maybe I was ready for. But man, that's such a good game. Uh, there's just so much to think about. It's such a rich experience, I think. I really enjoy it. And and playing it got me thinking about, I actually played with the Ivitz faction. And that was one that I don't think even through our eight or nine plays that anyone had ever played with because they're a little bit complicated, at least the way their game board works. And so I'd been wanting to try that one out. But you know, as I was putting the game away after our play i was just looking at all these different factions and i don't know it just got me interested in wanting to try the game again and again with some different strategies and and some different factions and explore that one there's so much to explore i think definitely and i think we would be able to play a little bit quicker now that we've kind of refreshed our memory we were definitely spending quite a bit of time trying to just remember what all the options were and how things worked yeah such a fun game. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, maybe one thing I wanted to do was introduce a new segment on the show that I think we will do from time to time, where we basically take a look back. Uh, we've been doing this for a year. Take a look back at games we have talked about previously on the show and, and given our recommendations and our ratings on and see how those games have held up over time. Sounds good to me. And so I thought, sticking with our wine theme, that we might call this segment... The Cellar. Ooh, The Cellar. The games we bring up out of the basement. And yeah, because, you know, like a, like a nice wine. See a, how they've aged. Yeah, fine wine yeah, over time. I got it. Uh, grows like it. in its complexity and enjoyment. Um, whereas uh, a less quality wine actually just tends to, to sour um, in the cellar over time. Nice. All right. So what are we talking about this week? Well, it turns out a year ago on February 16th, we did our first full episode where we reviewed the game Sagrada. Oh, Sagrada. That's a 
That's a good one. Yeah, so I thought we could think back on what we thought about Sagrada a year ago and, and see kind of how we feel now, a year later, about the game. And maybe I went back and checked our notes and, and re-listened to our final thoughts on Sagrada. And we were in agreement. We both really enjoyed it. It was our actually one of our most played games of 2017. And we both rated it a four out of five on our cardboard and wine rating scale, which would be a game we enjoy playing regularly and look forward to getting back to the table whenever we can. So how do you feel about Sagrada now, a year later? Oh, that's hard because I don't. We haven't played as much in 2018 as we did in 2017. But well, I, now it's 2019. I know. Well, it's true. Now it's 2019. But I definitely really still enjoy that game. And we we have played a little bit with the expansion where you have your private dice pool, which I think definitely added um, a layer of complexity that kept it interesting. I I think I would probably stick with a four. I think it's still a game that I really enjoy and would like to play more. What about you? You'd still be excited if I suggested a game of Sagrada. Definitely. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Yeah, I think I would would stick with a four. Uh, Sagrada is still a game I very much enjoy playing. We'd probably not turn down a game of it. Uh, We played it just the other night and had a good time, except for the fact I lost by quite a bit both (laughs) games we played. Uh, as, As you mentioned, we did... Uh, somewhat recently get our hands on the five and six player expansion. Although, to be honest, I have very little interest in playing Sagrada with five or six players. Yeah, I'm not sure that the increased player count is that interesting to me, but I definitely liked playing with the private dice pool. Yeah, the dice pool adds kind of a new uh, layer to the game that kind of changes things up just enough to um, make the challenge a little bit different. And I was also happy, you know, just the very small tweak of the expansion containing those new private objectives. So instead of each player trying to get as high a value of dice, as many pips as possible of a certain color, instead you're focusing more on the dice in specific parts of your, your window. And and that's just different enough that it adds just a little tweak. I mean, the core gameplay is fun enough, but it just adds some some kind of new and interesting challenges to keep the game fresh. Yeah, I mean, I would enjoy playing the base game, and I like that now there's a couple other options and ways to mix it up. On the whole, it's still a four, strong four. Yep, I agree, I agree. All right, Mamie, well, why don't we jump right in and talk about our Game of the Week. Wingspan is a medium-weight, card-driven engine-building game designed by Elizabeth Hargrave and published by Stonemaier Games in 2019. So in Wingspan, players take the role of bird enthusiasts who are seeking to attract a multitude of birds to their wildlife habitat, which consists of forests, grasslands, and wetlands. The base game contains 170 unique bird cards, which feature beautiful, realistic drawings of North American birds. Uh, and also multiple characteristics that impact the gameplay, such as the food requirement to attract the bird, the nest type, the egg-laying capacity, and the overall awesomeness of the bird, which we'll just call victory points. And, of course, the wingspan. In addition, many birds convey an additional action that they will perform each time they're activated. 
Therefore, as a player increases their tableau of birds in their forests, grasslands, or wetlands, they also establish more powerful engines that will help them gain additional food, eggs, and birds. Now, each region of a player's nature preserve focuses primarily on gaining a specific resource type, whether it be food tokens for the forest, eggs for the grassland, or additional bird cards for the wetlands. On a player's turn, They'll either pay a food and egg cost to play an additional bird in their tableau, or they'll activate the actions of one of those three regions that I mentioned. The game's played over four rounds, with each round consisting of a diminishing number of actions denoted by action cubes. There's a lot more to say about the gameplay and the very striking components, so let's just jump right in and discuss Wingspan. All right, Josh, so why did we first pick up Wingspan? You were the first one to kind of hear about it. What piqued your interest? As we alluded to on the last show, my goal for 2019 was to not purchase many new games. <laughs> and I broke that very quickly with my pre-order of Wingspan. And I'll say for me, it was a combination of things. First, it's a Stonemeyer game. And Stonemeyer, as I'm sure many of our listeners know, have produced other games we play quite regularly, like Viticulture and Scythe. And while, to be quite honest, Scythe and Viticulture are not some of my favorite games, um, I do enjoy them, and I particularly love the aesthetics of the Stonemeyer games and how well thought out the designs of the games are. And that's something that's important to me um, as a player. I don't need that, but I actually appreciate a really beautiful and well-done game. And this is probably the biggest thing, and it may be a dumb reason, but I really love birds. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think that's a dumb reason at all. I mean, I think that's a valid reason. You know, when I first started hearing about Wingspan, I think what initially drew me in at first was learning that it was a female designer and female artist, and that this was sort of a first for this designer, Elizabeth Hargrave. It's her first published game, and it's being published by Stonemeyer Games in this, you know, amazing production quality that we're used to seeing from them. And that was exciting to me. And then I started to research and, and learn a little bit about her. And, you know, she's really kind of just a girl who likes games, but she felt kind of disappointed that the theme of a lot of the kind of more popular games were not things that she was really into. And, you know, she decided she's really into nature. She's kind of a nature geek. So why not make a game that's inspired by that and has that nature theme? And I, I can really relate to that. And, the, you know, I think loving birds is an important reason that this is a game we picked out. Yeah, and it is absolutely the reason that drew the thing that primarily drew me to the game. And I think probably a lot of people, you know, and I'll say that brings up an interesting thought about board game design in general and, and really the importance of uh, representation, not just of of women versus men, but of, of people from different backgrounds and different walks of life. You know, designs of games are very much, I would imagine, influenced by the experiences of the designer. And, and the more different people we have who are contributing their ideas and their thoughts to the design of games is just going to increase the richness of the tapestry of all the games that um, people are going to think to create. Um, and, and that is a great thing. Yeah, and we're definitely seeing that happen. I mean, not that long ago, it felt like, oh, Almost all the games that were kind of the top games had sort of medieval warfare, castles, that sort of theme. And now, if you take a look at the, the games that are out there, I mean, it's kind of limitless, all the different sort of themes and different concepts that are out there. Yeah, and you know, I think there's a lot of work to be done um, in this area. I mean, if you look at the top 100 games on Board Game Geek, the representation of women designers is 
is not minimal, very great. Sadly. It is it is minimal, but my hope I mean this game this game's already huge and it's going to be uh it's really I think the game at the end of 2019 people are still going to be talking about quite a bit and it's important to have that visibility of a really successful popular game by a woman board game designer and well and for good reason right i don't want to 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 minimize the game design right the theme is beautiful for sure but i think people that are maybe not necessarily as into the nature theme will be impressed by gameplay yeah and i'll say this following a lot of the discussions online you know we love the nature theme i love the bird theme uh, but a lot of people don't i mean a lot of people are fairly neutral on the bird theme but are really loving the gameplay of this game. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the gameplay, but first, Miami, I want to talk about these components. Yeah, um, components. In the game. There's really not much else to say, but Stonemaier really knows how to produce a game. And, you know, this one is no different. Uh, Every single aspect of the production of Wingspan just feels really well thought out. You know, the cards, and there are 170 different birds. I mean, that's (laughs) crazy. They are all unique, completely unique. Completely unique. And the information on them is not, you know, there's a lot of information on every card, but it's presented in a way where it's easy to understand. It's easy to figure out kind of what's going on. And it's based on the actual characteristics and traits and actions of the actual birds. Yeah, no, you're right. So there's the the wingspan of the bird. And actually, there's always, I think there's a little factoid about the bird that right. has no influence on gameplay. But uh, they're interesting. They're interesting. But you're right, Mamie. Even something that does impact gameplay, like the number of eggs that you can actually put on each of the cards. Or the food or the habitat. That's true. The type of food that will attract that bird is all related to the actual habits and biology of those birds, which is yeah. pretty cool. And, you know, besides that, there is a lot of information on those cards, but they they are really well laid out in a way that's not cluttered, not confusing, and you know exactly where to look to find the information you need. And then beyond that, I feel like there's all this sort of over-the-top chrome that's kind of on this game. So all those cards are housed in this custom-molded plastic tray um, with a lid that nicely fits on so they don't slide around when the game is boxed up. But that lid pops off and serves as a functional space that actually holds the cards face up uh, during gameplay. Um, Then there are these eggs. (laughs) The eggs, which have often been referred to as looking just like candy. Yes, you have to be careful not to pop one in your mouth when you're playing. (laughs) That's true. Those Easter M&Ms, it's exactly what they look like. Absolutely true. Uh, Even the texture Feels yes. like a candy coating. <laughs> but, but you know, they're based on colors of actual bird eggs, and they're flat on the bottom, so they sit so nicely um, on top of the cards. And then beyond that, there are these dice that indicate what food is available in the bird feeder. And these are, they're oversized, and they're chunky, and they're made of wood, and they have very clear, beautiful images of the types of food. Um, they're just, just so nice. And then there's the bird feeder dice tower. Yeah, like, why is that even in there? It's not necessary, but it's so awesome. Like, like really, that <laughs> game could not have that, and you wouldn't notice, right? Yeah, you would never notice. You would just roll the dice, but... And be fine with it. Right, but when you see it on the table, the bird feeder and the, the way that it works as a dice tower is what really catches your eye. Yeah, no, it's, it's just really fantastic. And it even breaks down very easily and fits right in the box. And it's just super cool. And speaking of the box, I have to say this because listeners of the show know this is a thing for me. <laughs> I love organizing games. And this one... Yes, you do. ...is so well thought out, even in the organization. There, 
there's even a little key on the side of the box for how to put everything back in the box. Um, and it includes these little uh, Stonemeyer plastic resource trays, these little bit trays. Um, and there's plenty of them that fit the eggs and the little resource tokens. Um, and they're just perfect and they're just so nice and makes the, the setup and teardown of the game so easy. No need for any play notes with this one. No, I love not having to spend extra money to organize the game yeah. the way that I think it should be organized. So I appreciate that. Um, and then the last thing, and this is a super, super weird and minor thing to point out, but these rule books are made of some material that I've never experienced a rule book being made of before. It's not exactly paper. I mean, maybe if you fill this, fill this, we have it right here. Yeah. What is that? It, it's plasticized. Yeah, it's like a plastic, it's almost like what a card would be made of, like a plastic card. It's, yeah. It's almost like if you, and I'm not going to do this, almost like if I spilled my wine on this uh, rule book, it would Don't, just Let's wipe, not try it. It would wipe right Don't off. Don't try it. Uh, but I think you're right. I think it would. You know, I'm kind of like, why aren't other instructional manuals like right? in other contexts made of this? Like a, like an auto manual or like a like it's, it seems very durable. It, like, yeah, it's durable. You won't you won't tear it or crease it or I mean, I really truly think if you spilt something on it, it would just wipe up. Oh yeah, no, it's pretty pretty crazy cool. And then beyond that, the content of the rule book is just like like most Stonemaier games. So clear, uh, many examples, well laid out. And it has that awesome appendix that like gives clarification on all those cards. Because like you said, there's 170 different cards, and they all have kind of different little abilities. And then there's bonus cards, which give you different points. And, you know, it it could be a little confusing occasionally, but it's really easy to to quick reference and to see... You know, any questions that we might have, we've been able to really quickly find the answer to. Yeah, I really love the addition of that quick reference in the front of the appendix because, you know, after playing the game once, you know, you've got the basics of the rules down. But, you know, just being able to flip right open to this one-page summary of all the rules um, just to remind yourself of how to set up and how to play. Super handy. Everything about this, so well thought out, and I love that. If there is a negative, and this is a super nitpicky one, um, there are these player boards that again are super beautiful, super functional, uh, but they fold in half, I guess, for the Ooh, box yeah. size to be the size that it is. And and they do look cool. I mean, the back makes it almost look like this leather-bound field journal, but they never really sit quite flat when you open them up. And so, I don't know, there's part of me that wonders or wishes there would have been a way for those to be one solid piece of cardboard. But again... I could see that. Fairly nitpicky thing. But maybe... We've talked a lot about the components. What do you think about the gameplay of Wingspan? You know, gameplay really is pretty straightforward. On your turn, you have four choices. You can play a bird card. You can get food from the bird feeder, get eggs, or get more bird cards. I mean, other than the play a bird action, the other three actions do uh, sync up with the different habitats, the forest, grasslands, and wetlands. And that's where you'll be placing your birds. So as you continue to add birds, there's an increasing number of cards there as time goes on. And they have text. A lot of the bird cards have text with a brown background that indicates that you're going to activate that card whenever you take the action in that region. So for example... If you take the get food action, which is in the forest region, you get your food indicated on the player board, and then you move your little action cube to the left onto each other bird in that region. And so you'll be able to take the action that's on the bird card, that on the brown 
background there. So the more birds you have, the more actions you're going to take, and that's going to give you more opportunity to get more food, get more cards, get more eggs and points. I mean, it really is an engine building component. And, you know, the more birds you play, you really get to build a more powerful engine that helps you move through the game. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's really fun as you as you move through the game and and the game i think does move pretty quickly at the beginning of the game each player starts with these eight action cubes that that really are there just to help you keep track of how many actions you have left so every time you take an action um you put one on the board so in the first round you have eight actions but one thing that's pretty clever each round there's a different uh, characteristic of your habitat that's going to score points depending on maybe it's how many total birds you have in the grasslands or um, how many birds with a certain type of nest that have an egg in them. You know, depending on how many you have, you're going to score more points. But the way you denote that at the end of the round is you actually, each player takes one of those action cubes and puts it on the little score track for that round. So therefore, you have one less action cube the next round. So you have seven in the second round, and then six, and then five. Um, yeah, and that last round last with round. only five goes very quickly. It does. And so the pace of the game um, really does amplify. And that's actually a good thing because, um, as you mentioned, Mamie, at the very beginning, if you take the action to get food, which is the, the forest action, um, you haven't really played many birds. So it's really just take the food action get a food. But by the end of the game, you know, you may have three or four bird cards. So you're taking three or four different actions in addition to just taking food. So I think that is very clever, a very clever way to keep the game moving as players' engines become larger and a little more complicated. Um, And I find that really fun to set off this little chain reaction of four or five actions um, later in the game. Definitely. What would you say is your favorite thing about the game? Well, I mean, besides, you know, the joy of any engine building game, which is seeing your engine hopefully uh, hum along perfectly, or in my case, is usually <laughs> sputtering and I'm jealous of everyone else's engine. You know, I, I really love the theme. Uh, I mean, I mentioned I really I really like birds and, you know, I built a, a bird feeder stand in our backyard that holds multiple feeders. Um, and we have several bird guides near our window that that we and the kids like to, to look at to try to figure out what birds are in our bird feeder. Um, and our kids even have some little some Stickers, little adhesive window clings. window clings of different birds of our region that they stick on the window every time they see a bird. So I just, I just love the theme. And these cards, the images really are, the drawings really are of the quality that you would see in one of these nature books, uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know, that's one thing we haven't talked a lot about is the art on these cards is really beautiful and, and realistic. And again, these are all women artists that did the art for this. The artists on this were Natalia Rojas, Ana Maria Martinez Jamarillo, and Bess Sobel. And it's beautiful. Yeah, so nice. And again, taking nothing away from the gameplay, but it's just <laughs> so fun and soothing to me to get those hands of bird cards uh, it's just so pleasant. I feel it's so pleasant to play this game. You know, I also think another thing I really like about this game is the weight of it is really nice. I think it fits in a very nice place in our gaming collection, one that enables it to, I imagine, it has enabled it to find a lot of time onto our table and I think will in the future, you know, maybe similar to a game like Clank, where it is certainly not a light game by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it provides enough interesting decisions that I always enjoy playing it, but the rules overhead's not so great that a casual player can't jump right in. But I really think what amplifies that thought is that the theme and beautiful production just helps 
with making the game even more engaging for for really all players, um, independent of how into games they are. And, you know, we mentioned this on the last episode, but at our local Who's Turn Con we attended a few weeks back, Wingspan was by far the most played game. It was everywhere. And I think, you know, I think these reasons are, are, are all why. The theme is great. The production's great. But it's at a good weight that it, I think casual gamers and more heavy gamers alike can all enjoy it. Well, and I know for us, something I appreciate, you know, that, that goes along with that weight is the amount of time, right? It, it's not a game that's going to take you three hours to play, but it's also there's enough to it that you have to commit a chunk of time. But what would you say is kind of our average length of gameplay? Well, I could tell you exactly. I figured you could. <laughs> Let me just pull up some stats I'm guessing here. in the one hour range. So it's one of those games that the length of time it's going to take is going to be directly dependent on the number of players who are playing it. Because uh, whether you play with two players or four players... Everybody has the same number of turns. Yeah, a four-player game is going to really have twice as many right. actions sense. as a two-player game. Which we should also mention, this game plays really well with two players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, totally fun. Which is important. You lose a little bit of the oomph of some of these cards. Uh, there are cards that have a pink background. We mentioned these cards with these bird cards with the brown background that activate every time you activate that region of your board. But there are also bird cards that have a pink background that give you some action or ability if something happens between your turn. So when it's not your turn, and right. the more players that are playing, the more likely it is that that thing will happen. But you know, for a four-player game, um, we've been playing this right around an hour and a half. Um, but maybe when it's the two of us, I mean, we've been playing this in about 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's... we play quickly, but the amount of gameplay we get for 45 minutes is pretty great. Yeah, it's awesome. But maybe I'm curious. So we, we said a lot of great things about this game that we, we really like. Um, is there anything that you don't like about this game? You know, I think the only thing, there's really not much. It's, I, had to, I had to think about it. But the only thing that is a little bit awkward and fiddly for me is the tucking mechanism. So I really like the idea that your birds of prey can kind of earn you extra points by what is effectively eating other birds. There's this cool mechanism on a uh, action for a lot of the, I guess, carnivorous? Are they carnivorous birds? I guess they oh, are. The predator birds. Predator birds, yes. The predator birds where... You can flip a card, and if the card is lower in wingspan, i.e. a smaller bird, then it gets tucked. You eat it. You eat it, basically. It's a uh, successful predation. Yes, successful <laughs> predation. And sometimes, you know, you can flip a card from your hand or from the deck, but you're tucking those cards, which is really cool. It's a cool concept, right? And you get points for those tucked cards at the end of the game. But once your player board starts to get full of cards and the cards have eggs on top of them and sometimes they have food tokens cached on top of them, then the tucking gets pretty tough. So we've actually taken to just tucking the cards under the edge of the player mat because it doesn't really matter who earns, you know, which bird earns the cards. You just count the total at the end. So we've taken to kind of tucking them under the corner of the player board instead of trying to get them under the specific bird. But that's really the only thing. Is there anything you don't like? I think for me, if there's something that I like less about the game, you know, since most of what you're able to do in this game is dependent on the the bird cards that you're able to pick up. There's quite a bit of luck element to the luck of the draw, I guess, that's wrapped up in that. You know, that being said, this game has been compared um, by some, even even the designer of the game, uh, or even the publisher of the game, I should say, uh, to Terraforming Mars. In, in that, 
uh, much of what you're able to do, especially in the mid and later games, depending on this engine you've built up from the cards that you've previously played. You know, one thing I particularly like about Terraforming Mars and this game is that in some ways that becomes almost tactical. You know, you have to make the best of the hand that you've been given. That being said, I have had a game or two that ended up being a little bit frustrating because I wasn't getting any cards available to me that synergized with the bonus cards I'd picked up at the beginning of the game or the bird cards that I'd already played in my tableau. But, you know, I really did walk away from those games wondering if there's a way that I could have played better or figured out a better way to navigate around that situation. So, you know, I guess luck of the draw with the birds, but... That I could may see that. Uh, but again, I feel the same way about Terraforming Mars sometimes. And, you know, I know in that game, what a lot of people have done, and I think it's even an official variant, is they use card drafting, where instead of just randomly drawing cards, the players um, actually take a card and pass them around and draft. And I, At just, the start? Uh, well, every time. Uh, but certainly at the start. But then, you know, when you have that technology round where everybody draws four cards... You know, you look at them and you take one, then you pass them to your left, and then you take one. To me, that adds a little too much. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> mind that that would that game. be I, necessary, but I am certain it's just a matter of time. If there's not already a BGG thread where people are going to start drafting their initial hand of bird cards, I could see it. Which you know, actually, that wouldn't be so bad. No, because it would just you, be once. That's why I was saying just at the beginning. Yeah, you start with five. I mean, and you then can do you a have, drafting variant. Yeah. There probably already is Interesting. a threat, but there will be. Maybe I should start one. We can try it. Yeah, that, that's totally a minor thing. Um, you know, the, the pros very much outweigh the cons for me, at least so far with, with Wingspan. So, so Mamie, any, any thoughts on when we would play this game? I mean, as we... with whom? Yeah, as we've already said, I feel like there is a lot to draw people to this game. I think the gameplay is going to engage even our heaviest gaming friends, and I think... The theme could be a way to bridge the gap for our maybe not quite so heavy gaming friends. And the rules overhead is not so intense. I think, I mean, I don't think the kids are ready for this, but other than that, I could see playing it with almost anybody. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's uh, very much an omni game that could be used in a lot of a lot of different situations. All right, Mamie, well, we've talked quite a bit about Wingspan so why don't we give our final thoughts and our rating of Wingspan? Yeah, for those of you that are new to Cardboard and Wine, we use a one to five rating scale where one is an empty bottle of wine, sad and disappointing, ready to go to the recycling. Uh, two is a two buck chuck. If you don't have anything else to drink, it'll do. Three is a wine in a box. There are things about it that you like that are good and things that aren't so great. Four is like this nice Tempranillo, uh, easy to enjoy regularly. We've poured a glass and we're looking forward to enjoying some more. And five is that big, bold California Cabernet. It's going to only get better with age. All right, Mamie. Thank you. What's your, uh, what's your final thoughts and rating for Wingspan? You know, I am not usually uber generous with my ratings, but I am going to give Wingspan a solid five. You have not given many fives. I have not. I mean, right now, this is my favorite game. If you ask me what my favorite game is to today, this is what I would say for all the myriad of reasons that we've talked about on the show. You love Wingspan. I do. I love it. And not just because I win a lot. That's true. You do win a lot. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've won. I'm sure you've won. <laughs> not many times. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, I agree. It's a great game. And 
you know, for, for a lot of the, the reasons we've already talked about, I'm a biologist by training, so certainly drawn to, to nature and, and particularly love birds. So, so that's a good fit. These components are great. Cards are great. I learn things about birds when I play it. I know. I love reading the little information about the different birds. Oh, I know. Uh, but, you know, I also really like engine building games, and this certainly is one. But, you know, like we talked about, it's simple enough that while it's satisfying to play with our gamer friends, it's friendly and approachable enough to play with almost anyone. Um, and, you know, it plays pretty quick, and that's important to us. That's very important. You know, having a game like this that we like, that we can, that's, that's substantial enough, but we can easily play a game on a school night and work night. So I love that it fits into that description. It's a, it's a solid game, and my quibbles with it are fairly minor, but, you know, I think for now, this game is a solid four for right. me. I could say that. Good four slash five. Yeah. Good game that we are loving right now. We definitely are. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Cardboard and Wine. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at CardboardandWine.com. If you have feedback for the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at Board and Wine, email us CardboardandWine at gmail.com, or jump to our guild on Board Game Geek. If you'd like to see photos of the games we are playing, you can check us out on Instagram at Cardboard and Wine. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. And you'll help new people find the show. All right, everyone. Until next time. Cheers, cheers and, and happy, happy gaming. gaming.